know, a lot of times people are confused about what God really did say. He never promised. And once we follow him, it's going to be a bed of roses, but he did promise he'll always be there with us. And um, you need to understand that and you need to hold to that. As a matter of fact, that's how we're going to be looking at some of our scripture this morning. I'm going to ask you, Bible, ask you if you take your Bibles and turn to Luke, the ninth chapter. I know it says Galatians, the second chapter, verse 20. That's a, a reference verse we're going to be looking at um, also. But um, I really want us to, to focus on this passage and, and the truth that we can, we can pull from that. I've been working at, over the last several weeks um, a series called Don't Waste Your Life. Um, I, I think that every one of us needs to stop and, and we need to think about on that day that, that, that appointed time that when we are called home and folks, all of us are going to die. But um, for all, we've all sinned. We're all going to die unless God sends his son Jesus back in Christ very soon. But what are we going to say then as we, as we look back and we evaluate our life? I guess maybe it's a terror to me that, that to look back and, and live with a lot of what ifs and that I've just wasted so much of my life. One of the greatest gifts and commodities that God has given us is our, our life to, that we live within this, within this world and we need to use it for his glory. And, and I want to hit another subject matter today, and I'll, I'll tell you this subject matter is very personal to me, and, and even as I have worked through this, I've taught this before, but it was so new and fresh in me that, that boy, I had to just spend a lot of time just dealing with myself. And, and that's what we're going to be looking at today is the subject matter of becoming free from me. And so we're going to be looking at, 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 at probably the, the greatest enemy that we find is our very own selves. And, and so think about that, and um, as, as in just a moment we'll stand and read. I want to ask you, even as I'm standing there, I want to ask you to, to pray for me. I, um, I'm having a lot of problem with my eyes, and this has been going on for a while. I've been to the doctor, go back on Monday, and, um, but um, even now it's, it's going it's to be a hard time for me to read. And just ask you to, to keep me in your prayer. This is hard to read and study and prepare when, when you, you can't keep your eyes open, and um, so... So I want to ask you, Tommy, would you pray for my eyes right now? That's right, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Tommy. You know, I am. I'm a little overwhelmed today. I'm so excited about just being able to come and share with you the, the Word of God and, um, and how it's just impacted my life. And I pray to God to do the same work in your, in, in your life that he's, he's, and I can't say it's done, folks. He is, he's completely continually to do a, a work and, and sharing some things. But I want us to deal with this subject matter. It's called becoming free from me. Now, Paul says in Colossians, the, the second chapter, verse 20, he says, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. He says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Now, Paul is speaking specifically toward that he's crucified, that, that the law no, no longer holds me in, in bondage, that I'm free in Christ and um, by, through his grace. But this is the same subject matter that, the, that, that Jesus Christ taught for those who are going to follow him. And, um, and I, I just pray that you would grab this because it, this can absolutely revolutionize your life. So we find in Luke the ninth chapter, let's all stand together. There was a, there was a time that Jesus Christ was questioning his, his apostles of saying, um, who do men say that I am? And, and there was still a lot of confusion who Jesus Christ was. And, and then Peter says, you know, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus Christ told Peter, he says, you know, flesh and blood didn't give that to you, but but Peter nailed it, that you're the cross, you're the coming one, you're the one that God has called, you're, you're the Messiah. But then Jesus Christ began to explain what, what it meant for him to be the Messiah and also what it meant for you and me to be his followers. This is so much different than what Peter and, and his crew had in the idea of the Messiah. And then especially when Jesus says, this is what it means to follow me, this was absolutely different than what people in, in, in their time believed to be a follower of Christ as well as in this day. Folks, we live today where, a, where an easy gospel is preached and where a self-centered gospel is preached. And it's all about you, about what God can do for you. Folks, that is a false prophet um, uh, gospel. That's, that's, that's heresy. The, the Word of God teaches it's not about you and me. It's about God Himself. He's the one that receives the glory. And the problem is, is you and me get in our own way and um, in our own daily life as well as in the life of, of, of lifting up the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look what Jesus said when he began to describe his own ministry as well as he began to describe what it's going to cost to follow him. Now, yeah, let me explain about many times with Jesus Christ, a, a crowd would gather around to him. And it also, almost, almost always seems when a crowd gathered around him of Jesus, what you could do to me do for me that Jesus kind of blew up that crowd when he began to teach some hard teachings. And so as, as Nathaniel's going to be preaching tonight, and that folks, there's many are called, but there's only few chosen. Because when, few, when, when, when the crowd begins to hear the real words of Jesus Christ, many walk away. But Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice. Randy preached on that last week. And so if you're here today that you're one of his here, you're going to hear his voice. And I pray that you would respond to that voice. And this is what Jesus Christ said. I want to drop it back to verse 21. He, he, he'd really talked to him about once Peter made that revelation that the Christ, the Son of the living God, because he was still working within his timing of the Lord's work. He warned them to be careful how, how you speak this. And in verse 21 he says, And he strictly warned them and commanded them to tell this to no one. God, he was still working through his plan. But listen to what he says, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. This was not their idea of a Messiah. They thought the Messiah would come in on a, on a, on a big horse and just, just conquer everything and they'd all be set up as kings and, and, and queens. But he said the Son of Man is going to come and he's going to be rejected. He's going to be rejected by the leaders of the day. He's going to, be, he's going to suffer. He's going to die. And then he arrives on the third day. But then he said to them all, and folks, this is where it gets to you and me. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He said, for whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what advantage is it to a man if he gains the whole world 
and loses his own soul or he himself is destroyed or lost. But I want to focus on what Jesus said. If any man desires to follow me, if you desire to call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, Father, I pray that you'd take these words, you'd bless them, you'd use them for your glory. And I pray that, God, that you would just um, do the work that you said the word is, is living and powerful, sharper than your two-edged sword. And, and God separating between the, the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and discerning the hearts of man. And I pray that that's what you'll do today, God, that you'll discern our hearts and do the work that needs to be done. Set us free. Set us free from ourselves, O Lord. God, let us be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Anytime that you do battle, the, the thing that you have to do, if you're going to be successful in that battle, you need to know who your enemy really is. I have to admit to you that several years ago, when our kids and Carolee was um, in high school, that... Um, one assumed he was having some intense fellowship. Y'all ever had any intense fellowship? Yeah, we were having a battle. And I've shared this before, but, but, but this is one of those points in your life that you, it changes your life. It's over a prom dress. Can you imagine fighting over a prom dress? One who spent a lot more on the prom dress than what my budget would allow. And she messed up my plans, my financial plans. And um, I just needed to straighten her out. <laughs> and correct her in her ways. And boy, she turned mama on me, you know. And she told me, but she says, you know what? We have drug our children all over the country. They've been in five different schools as you follow the Lord in preaching. And once Carolee gets a senior and she says she lit, she, she went to the prom in a barred dress last year, and I do think she deserves that we give her something. That's a mama speaking. So I really didn't have to say, I didn't have much to say. You know, she... she she caught me off guard, and so she won that battle. And I walked off, and I began to pout to myself. You know, in my pouting, the Holy Spirit, as only he could, he stuck his finger in my chest. And he says, Johnny, you know what you are? You're a selfish person. This wasn't about a prom dress. This is about you and your plans. And I have to admit that when he said that, it, it, it caught me off guard because I, I never thought of myself as a selfish person before. And I had a lot of other, other thoughts, but I didn't consider myself as selfish. But folks, when the Holy Spirit points his finger at you and he begins to call up by name, I just begin to break down. Because I began to realize that the, my biggest enemy was me. And folks, I still fight that enemy today. 
And from that point on, I began to try to work on that enemy called self. And folks, I have a long way to go. And that proved it this week as I began to read through this scripture and it seemed like everything I touched. I had a Bible study with, with, with Sean this week and it was on self. And then I, I read a, another little book this week. It was on self. And every, everywhere I turned, the Holy Spirit just came to continue to stick his finger in my chest. That my biggest adversary is me. And folks, I would dare say that's true for every one of us. And so that's what I want us to speak on today, that, that, that folks, if we're going to live our life and we're going to live it for the glory of God and we're going to live it to fulfill God's purpose within our life, we need to deal with this issue of me. Because if we, again, if honest with ourselves, the greatest, the greatest thing that holds us back from being all that God wants us to be, I, I can't blame the devil, I can't blame circumstances, I can't blame other people. The biggest thing that holds me back from being what God wants me to be and really deep within me that I want to be is me. But just like myself, as I began to explore that, I, I really didn't know, God, what are you talking about? What does what being filled with self really look like? There's one thing about it when Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself. Well, what does that look like? Well, let's just break it down and let's look at how self manifests itself because selfishness manifests itself in a lot of different ways. And folks, I've only put 10 here. I, I, could, I, could, I could fill up a legal sheet. But maybe I can deal with about 10 of those that begin to at least get you on the, on, on the train of thinking about, what about me, Lord? And again, as we examine this, don't look at someone else. Think about yourself. We are all born with self on the throne of our heart. And for us to, us to truly be followers of Jesus Christ, we have to dethrone self and put Jesus Christ back on the throne of our hearts. And so let's look at how self can manifest itself. And maybe, maybe it will speak to you because maybe you've seen it manifest itself in your life. The first thing that I put, and, and, and these are things that just in praying and thinking about, the first thing that I, where I see self manifest itself in the, in the act of unforgiveness. Probably unforgiveness is the greatest sin within the church today. And I know that through counseling that unforgiveness is probably the major issue in people's lives that are messed up. That when you begin to really dig into someone's life, you find that, that there's been a spirit of unforgiveness. Maybe they've been hurt and maybe they've, they've, they've played that victim card all of their life. As a matter of fact, I was just watching another night and one of my favorite shows is Forensic Files. It just amazes me and about a person that had um, been in a terrible accident that her boyfriend had gotten killed. She had been hurt and, and the other people, you know, they had been put into jail. But when she was giving her testimony, she says, you know what, although I'm, I'm better now, I always have to live with the hatred that I have for those other people. And she says, as much as I like to, you know, like to not think about it, it every single day it haunts me. And I thought, how sad, dear lady that you are living with that, something that you cannot change, but you are allowing yourself to be a victim. And you're allowing yourself by something that bad that happened to you in the past to affect your life today. You're in bondage to your unforgiveness. But folks, that goes on every single day. It goes on within this church. There's people here today, and I don't know who you are. 
I don't know your past. I don't know the things that have happened to you. And, and I know that within this body today that, you, that I could begin to hear stories that would blow my mind about what you had to deal with as a child or a, or a young person or a, or a husband or a wife. But folks, that does not give you the right to live with a spirit of unforgiveness. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ does not live with a spirit of unforgiveness? We'd all be lost and, unfor- and undone. Because unforgiveness is a very act of selfishness because you want to hold on to that. You want to feel like you hold, you hold this against someone that has hurt you and, and you're not going to release your forgiveness to them. Folks, unforgiveness is the height of selfishness because you feel that you have a right to hold that against somebody. Praise God that he didn't hold that right against you and me. And so today, if if you hold some unforgiveness, which will turn to bitterness, which will turn to, to anger and wrath, if you hold that within your heart, then let me tell you, friend, you're a selfish person. And it's affecting everyone around you. I have to move on, and, and, and we can come back and deal with all these individually. Another one is anger, which is just a, a grown-up unforgiveness. If you're a person who are prone, is prone to outbursts, who is prone to anger, and I'm not speaking about, you know, we always want to go back and, and, and justify our anger because Jesus Christ was righteously angry. Folks, you're not Jesus Christ. Because I can grant you that most anger that goes on in people's lives today is, is unrighteous anger. You know, some of you, it, it, it comes out in outbursts. Some of you, it goes inward, and it's, 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 it's in an oppressive sense. But, folks, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a boiling that's going on with you. And, folks, let me explain to you. No one can make you angry but you. And that anger comes because you're holding on to things. And you are calling yourself judge rather than God. And anger is nothing more than a, than a picture of a selfish person wanting to do things his way or her way. Do you deal with anger? Do you deal with outbursts? Do you, do you burn within? Folks, I've, I've had to deal with a lot of that. I don't like to admit it. But what that just shows me that I'm my own worst enemy because my, my anger comes from my selfishness. You know, just like when I became angry at Wanda Sue about that dress because she was messing up my financial plans. See, men, we have a big problem with that. We have things planned out and we have lined, things lined up and when things don't go our way, we get angry. Anger. It's just another picture of selfishness. Control. You have a control problem? Do you try to control everything around you? That everything has to go your way? Control is all about selfishness. Because you want it done your way and only your way. You think you're smarter than everyone else. And that's where you deal with your insecurities is through your control. Because if, it's, if, you're, if it gets 
outside of your control, then you don't have enough faith to believe it's going to be all right. Control has destroyed many, many, many marriages out there. If one of those spouses have a controlling spirit, it will destroy any relationship it touches. But when you get down to it, it's nothing more than pure selfishness. If any man desire to follow me, let him deny himself. Let him deal with that unforgiveness. Let him deal with that anger. Let him deal with that control. I'll tell you another thing that I see so much, especially in marriages, is false expectations. Is that I am wanting other people to live up to my expectations of them. I counseled a young woman one time that was so, she was angry because her husband was not fulfilling her. He didn't talk enough to her. You know, and women talk about 40 times more than men anyhow, but she was mad about it. And, um, and I asked her, I says, well, did, did he talk much to you before you got married? She says, no. I said, why, why do you expect him to talk to you now? But see, she, she was wanting him to live according to her expectations. But it goes the other way. I mean, guys get all angry because of the failed expectations. You know, they, 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 they draw up expectations of their wives that, that, that she's going to be all this that I think she's going to be. And she's, she's never going to be that. Maybe she can't be that. But, but there's so much that, of tension that goes on with, with, with placing false expectations on other people because we want them to live according to our standards, according to our expectations. Folks, that's selfishness. Because you are expecting people to live in your little world. It's all about you. And maybe you're expecting things of people they can't even, they, they can't even fulfill. And so you're angry at something that's never going to be corrected because they can't fulfill that. Man, you can hear a pin drop in here. <laughs> Let's just go on. Let's, what about worry? Are you a worrier? I'm a worrier. Did you know that worry was just the, is one of the heights of selfishness? What is this going to do to me? How's this circumstance going to affect me and my life? You know, the Word of God teaches us that we're, we're to take no thought of tomorrow. Jesus said that. You know, we're commanded to be anxious for nothing. Why? Because when we worry, we're holding it on to ourselves. We are, we're being the God of our own little lives instead of just placing it in, in the Lord's lap and say, God, this is your business, it's not my business. But it's you, you are hold, trying to hold on to the circumstances and manipulate the circumstances that you're not capable to hold on to or manipulate. And so worry, if you really begin to do it, it's really all about me. And that, again, comes in circumstances of, that, um, you know, affects, that, that can affect our future, but also just worry about what people think of me. Do you, you deal with codependency? 
Codependency is all about you. Is you seek to find your identity through other people rather than through Jesus Christ. And you feel that other people have to prop you up rather than being who you are in Jesus Christ. See, it all, it all comes back to self. It all comes back to me being want to God, be the God of my own heart. And, um, and um, I got caught in a situation this week. I somewhere just out of the blue. Somebody just began to, and this is the next one, gossip and tailbearing. Someone just began to talk down someone. I, I mean, it kind of just caught me off guard, and I thought, mercy mine. And um, I thought, and I, I tried to diffuse it, and, and hey, you know, I tried to diffuse it, but this person, and this person, you know, called himself a very faithful Christian. They'd sit up and sing their worship songs, but they were absolutely destroying somebody with their tongue. I didn't care about hearing it, and again, trying to push that away from you and everything. And Folks, when you have to gossip and you have to tell bear and you have to tear other people down, that's not about the other people, that's about you. You're trying to build you, yourself up at somebody else's expense. And if you think that you have a story to tell, if it doesn't build that person up, then, then dear friend, you're, you're crossing over into selfishness. That's all. Gossip and tail-bearing and tearing down comes from a selfish heart. And so if you're a gossiper, you're a selfish person. If you like to tell tales about somebody else, you're a selfish person. And there's no other way to say that. And Jesus says, but if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to say, God, that even though within my flesh I want to say this, but I'm going to deny myself, I'm not going to say it because that is, that's flowing from my selfishness. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication come from out of my mouth, but only that which builds up and edifies. When I feel that urge to talk about somebody else, even if it's in a prayer request, that's selfishness. Lying. Any of you ever lied? I have. I never went to a lying class when I was a kid, but man, I was a good one. <laughs> and I can't tell you today that I'm not tempted to lie sometimes. But you know why people lie? It's all about selfishness because you're trying to protect yourself or trying to make yourself somebody that you're really not. So if you get caught in a situation that's going to make you um, look bad, then you're very tempted to lie to protect yourself. Now, my mama never wanted to use the word lying. She just wants not telling the truth. The folks is lying. You know, we don't need to soften it. It is what it is. It's a lie is a lie. That's what the Bible calls it. And a lie when I'm lying about trying to protect myself or trying to build myself up to be something that I'm really not, then folks, that flows from a selfish heart. But if I'm to follow Christ, I have to deny myself. I, ha I have to recognize that, that it's the truth that will make me free. I have to trust Christ that, God, if I tell the truth, then you're going to do the right thing. Arrogance, 
you know, kind of boasting. And I know none of you are arrogant. And I can, I can but, but you know, when, when you find an arrogant spirit that has to be somebody, that's all about me. But let me just, let me put a, let, let, me, let me flip on the other side. Did you know another part of selfishness? I didn't write this down, but you, did you know that, that shyness is also selfishness? Because a shy person likes to get in the corner because they're afraid if they say anything, what will people think about me? And so we're, we're, we, we, we hide ourselves in our shyness because we don't want the people to see us for who we really are. And so it goes both ways, folks. It's on both ends of the pendulum, whether I'm, I'm, I'm arrogant or whether I'm, I'm, I'm super shy. And most people say, well, he's just a humble. No, he's, he's very selfish because he, doesn't want, he or she doesn't want to expose themselves for who they really are. See, selfishness shows up with so many faces. And greed or covetousness. Are you caught up in getting more for yourself or, 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 or wanting more so everybody can look at you? Or caught up in covetousness? You know, instead of you enjoying or thankful that God has blessed somebody and they was able to buy themselves a, a nice home or, new, you know, that, that wish that was you? Folks, that's selfishness. How about insecurities? You never feel that you're good enough. Or I can put another slash within that. Are you hurt by criticism? That when someone criticizes you, are you hurt and you're withdrawn? Because you're selfish because it's all about you. You see, as a Christian, we should, we should receive criticism because we're all a work in progress. And if we're to be conformed to the image of Christ, we should enjoy criticism because because it reveals who we are and that, it, that we can work on that to become more like Jesus Christ. But most of us repel at criticism. I fight that. And folks, when I fight that, that's selfishness. As you can tell, I could, I could go on and I could go on and I could go on. As a matter of fact, any particular sins that we, we can begin to do, folks, all of our sins are rooted in our selfishness. It's where we are trying to be the gods of our own lives. And so I challenge you today that, that, that allow the Spirit to speak to you. And, and it may very well be that if you have an issue going on, it may not be the other person's problem. It may not be certain. It may not be God. It may be you. You may be a selfish person. And um, been reading recently, and, and it's a little booklet if you want to find it on Kindle. It's by a pastor named Tim Keller. That's called. I read this several years ago. God convicted me. I brought it back up, and mercy, my, um, it convicted me so much. It's called the, the freedom of self forgetfulness. Cost you a dollar. It's not going to cost. It's not going to bank you. Bust your bankroll. But I can tell you, folks, it will, it, will, it will deal with your heart. But he, but, he, but he mentioned that, he even mentioned another writer from Mere Christianity, one of my favorite books that C.S. Lewis says when he says this. He says, the thing that we would remember from meeting a truly gospel humble person is how much they seem to be totally interested in us. Because the, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more about myself or thinking less of myself. 
but is thinking of myself less. See, I think that's a problem. We think about ourselves much too much. What we need to be is thinking about other people. Instead of allowing our imaginations, well, how is this going to affect me or how is this going to cause me to look? We, we need to capture those thoughts as we, we heard the ladies being taught last, you know, and, and we need to cast them aside. But how do I overcome that? How, uh, well, or, well, let me deal with this as selfishness. And when I, when I talk about don't waste your life, selfishness is a certain path to a defeated and a wasted life. First of all, selfishness forces us to live each day in a suffocating bondage. I love what, I'm going through a discipleship essentials. If, if you're not being discipled, you need to be a part of that. And, and maybe you're a younger Christian and you want some, don't wait on somebody to come to you. You go to somebody that you admire and, and say, hey, would you disciple me? We've got wonderful materials, and there's one of the great books, and folks, it's not an easy study. It's called Discipleship Essentials. It will speak to your heart. But that, this is just a little commercial. Or, or if you're a, a more mature Christian, you need, to, you need to reach down and you need to disciple someone else. But even this week in part of our discipleship study, I, I was reading by Greg Ogden. He said, human bondage in all of its forms is a result of being our own gods. Freedom comes when we lay down the ill-gotten false crown that when we say no, that we live as though the gods who, who are us have already died. He's saying that, that all bondages flow from being our own God, selfishness. And so if you're bound up in any type of a bondage, you can always root it back to self. And until, until you come and, 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 and you as... as as, as Jesus says, until you deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me, the God of self is going to rule your life and it's going to put you in bondage. Some of us live in the bondage of fear. Because again, we, we worry because we can't handle this ourselves instead of dying to ourselves. It's not about me, Lord. It's about you. Some of us live in the, in, in the bondage of, of codependency as we, we trust in someone else's approval rather than our, and, and God's approval. Some of us deal within that bondage of unforgiveness and anger and bitterness. And so we poison everyone around us. Why? Because self is still the God on our heart and, 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 and we're worried about, about, about me. Folks, that's bondage. All bondages, all addictions come from me. It's all about, folks, a person that's, that, that has, that's deep into addiction, you just talk to somebody that, that, that lives around that person, they'll tell you it's all about them. It doesn't matter if they hurt mama or daddy or if they hurt children. All they are looking for is to satisfy me. Addiction is a self-problem. Anger is a self-problem. Control is a self-problem. Codependency is a self-problem. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross. And you know what? Taking up their cross, they knew exactly what the cross was. This was before Jesus Christ had died on the cross, but the Romans used the cross as a detriment because they saw people crucified all day long. And once a person had been judged to die, 
that person would have to carry their cross to where they would be crucified. And even though they might have been living and breathing at that time, they were dead because they had already been condemned to death. And what Jesus is saying that when you follow me, you've got to go ahead and consider yourself as dead. It's not about you anymore. That's when you're going to break the bondages. Pastor Kelly spoke about a a Vogue magazine article that was written on Madonna. We know that that she was one of the more famous singers of her time. But But she was least honest with herself when she said these words. She says, my drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That is always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. But then I feel that I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. Folks, it's bondage when you feel that you'll never be good enough. Well, let me tell you, you will never be good enough. That's why Jesus Christ came and died on Calvary. That's where Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. You see, selfishness forces us to live each day in a suffocating bondage because we're trying to prove ourselves. But then it also robs us of the joy of abundant life. How can you truly enjoy others when you are living, when, when you're comparing them to yourself, when you are judging whether, whether they meet your standards or not? You can't truly enjoy other people when you're competing against them. It's about that person that, as Keller explains it, is the Olympian that can rejoice in their silver medal and also rejoice in that beautiful triple jump that the gold medalist won. You don't have to condemn that person for beating you. You can rejoice that they did such a, a masterful job. You can rejoice that that coworker got the promotion that you were wanting instead of being jealous toward them. How can you really enjoy people when it's all about me? How can I really enjoy my, my daughter wearing a beautiful prom dress and I'm sitting there angry because her mama spent too much money? You see, that robbed me of joy. And I repented of that. And she was beautiful. And I'm so thankful her mama went ahead and bought her that prom dress. See, my selfishness was going to cause me to rob me of that moment from rejoicing with my daughter. And how many of us have been robbed of the moment of enjoying someone else's success because of our own selfishness? It robs us of enjoying God. Folks, God created us for His pleasure, and He's created us for us to have pleasure in Him. He wants us to be happy. Denying ourselves does not mean that we're not, we shouldn't be happy. As a matter of fact, it should bring us the ultimate happiness. Because when we choose God and follow Him, we, we, we find a level of joy and happiness that can't be found in anything this world will give us.
But we rob ourselves of seeing how great and grander and wonderful God is when we live within a selfish heart because we're competing with the very God who created us. That's what Eve and Adam did in the garden. They competed with God because they didn't believe that, 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 that God would take care of them and bless them. They wanted to be like God. And that's what a selfish heart does. We want to be like God. And so how can we really enjoy the greatness of God when we're wanting to be like Him all the time? And we can't even enjoy in ourselves. Even as Madonna had spoken, this woman that had great fame, who was very talented, but she never could get satisfied because she always wanted more. How miserable is that? We, we never can even enjoy ourselves where we are. And folks, finally, that selfishness can only be defeated by dying to self. Again, Greg Olson, through Discipleship Essentials, writes, denying yourself may involve many things, but it's not what Jesus is getting at it. it says, neither does it mean denying your self-worth or denying yourself does not mean denying your feelings. And although some would say if you enjoy following Jesus, something must be wrong in truth. It's not about, a, about denying your happiness. It is not denying yourself to deny your brains. He's not asking us to give up our intellect. He says, deny yourself means to de- deny your self-lordship. It's, the, it's, it's taking Lord off the throne of your heart. The God who is within me. And folks, the Bible is absolutely full of that. Again, Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I live. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul writes in Romans 6, 4, therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death. You see, the idea of death, we, we, we have to be willing to die to that, that selfish nature that, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in Him. Paul writes in Galatians five twenty four and 25, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we then live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And as Jesus Christ is saying here, you know, if you want to really follow me, this is what you must do. You must deny yourself and take up your cross daily. Then you can follow me. Then I can be the Lord of your life. And so I challenge you today as as I close out. I challenge you today to stop and take a a real look at yourselves. Because most of the trouble that you face on a daily basis is not as a result of someone else or some situation. It's a result of you protecting your own self and your self-interest. Some of you are angry about things that will never change. But you've allowed yourself to be angry. Some of you are, uh, some, uh, I've met people today that had an unforgiving spirit towards someone who had already died and they were in the grave. But yet that person was still controlling them from the grave because of that person's unforgiveness. You need to let it go. There, there, there's some of, uh, of you that have made your whole family, everyone around you, because of your controlling spirit. It has to be all about you. Or worry dominates your life. You, 
I don't have to go through all those. I believe the Holy Spirit's already spoken to you. But you know what's going to make a difference? If you would just deny yourself and take up your cross and say, Jesus, you're my Lord. Again, our worst enemy is ourselves. The thing that puts us in the greatest bondage is ourself. And my prayer is today that God would reveal himself and God would set people free as they begin to just lay their self on the altar and say, God, it's, it's really all about you. There's some of you that needs to reach to that person that's right next to you because maybe you've been having some intense fellowship like I talked about, and you need to admit that I'm a selfish person. And maybe right here this morning that, that God could heal that relationship. How's Holy Spirit spoken to you? I want to ask our, our team if they would come on up. So in just a moment, we'll begin a time because... Folks, these are hard words. I'll admit to you, when the Holy Spirit stuck his finger in my chest, it, it was not easy, but I thank God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The older I grow, the more I thank God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because if it were not for the Holy Spirit in my life, I would, I, I would be a mess. And folks, I'm on the edge of being a mess anyhow. But God loves you enough that he's not going to let you go. And maybe the Holy Spirit's taking his finger and he's placing it in your chest right now and says, you need to deal with some of this stuff. This is truth. And you have to trust God enough that if you would just be obedient to him, that he's going to bring you blessings on the other end. Folks, blessings always follow obedience. And maybe he's convicting you about maybe one of those things, maybe a lying spirit, a controlling spirit, an unforgiving spirit, a worrying spirit, um, a codependent spirit, maybe whatever it is. But if he's, if he's fingered you right now, he says, well, you know what you need to do? You need to deny yourself and take up the cross and follow me. You may need to come to the altar and do some work. Maybe you're here today, you've never met Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The one thing that's, that's, that's keeping you, that's keeping you from eternal life is your own self. You need to deny your, the only way you can come to Jesus is by, die, by denying yourself. I ask you to come to the Savior today because in him is life and life alone. Has the Holy Spirit spoken to you as Shane and, and, and Butch plays? You want to sing good, good God? Man, this is a good... Folks, he's a good, good God. And if you would just allow him, he'll do things in your life. You have to trust him, though. The altar's open as we stand, as we sing. If you need someone to pray with you, we'll pray with you.